This podcast is not training or supervision. This is an invitation to delve into these really big topics. When we are talking about clients, please know it is not you. It is a weaving together of stories that come up over and over again. With Edge of the Couch, we are here to create a space to delve into the topics that were either shied away from or dismissed because they were too big, too nuanced, too risky, or too uncomfortable to discuss in school or even supervision. We are two passionate therapists sharing our personal opinions about the therapeutic process. Hi, everyone. This is Allison. And this is Jordan. And this is Edge of the Couch. Today, we are talking about when a client won't cry, how to kind of respond, what to do in that moment, how we handle it. So let's dive right in. What comes up Mm -hmm. for you, Jordan, when I say, ah, what do we do when a client won't cry? To begin, it's important that we look at the assumption that crying means that you're doing work, like that you're processing. Yes. And when we're beginner counselors, when somebody's crying, it can be that sense, that sign of like, oh, I'm, I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a therapist. Even when there are some clients that will just, are just, you know, prone to crying and it yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that they're in a place of processing or that they're taking in what we're bringing. And, and so when a client doesn't cry, it doesn't always mean that they're not doing some sort of version of processing. Yeah. I agree with Tell that me. too. Hey, I from your high voice. <laughs> yeah. Um, I agree with that to a degree for sure. That that deep processing can be happening when a client, even if a client isn't crying, and that processing cannot be happening even if a client is crying. And sometimes them not crying is actually, especially if there's someone who cries. Yeah. Right. And so for them to be contained in their emotion and to be able to speak about their experience can sometimes be a sign of growth. Mm-hmm. For a sign of healing. Yeah, totally. And, you know, knowing all of that, I do think that there are these moments in the clinical space that come up with my clients where I'm in the inter- interaction with them and I'm also curious about why they are not crying. Yeah. It kind of comes up for me in two different ways. The first is you can see that the client needs to cry or a part of them wants to cry and they are stopping themselves from crying. What do you see? As we are more experienced, you can mm-hmm. you can name what the signs are. But if you could name the signs of how you know when a Ooh, that's so good. Um, well, one is just in general tracking. If you notice a shift or change in them, in tone, breath, position, all of those things, it's almost like you can actually see the muscles, like in their throat or chest. They're swallowing differently. You might notice that they avert their gaze or lips sort of swell. Yeah, they their voice might break a little. You might ask a question and then there's like a long pause. They know that they can't answer without crying. Yeah. Yeah, those things come up for me. You said, sorry, to go back, you said that there are two things. Yeah, so that being the first, so they, they look like they're going to cry or you get a sense that they're trying to want to cry, but they won't let themselves. And then the other situation is when a client is telling a story or talking about something that to me feels quite emotional but they seem completely emotionless. Mm-hmm. That there's almost this like casualness to it, like a laissez-faire, like, oh, et cetera, et cetera. Here are these terrible things that happened to me anyway. And for lunch, I had a peanut butter sandwich. And that's where I'm very curious. Like, so yeah. what is going on here? What do you think about those? With 
lack of congruence like between what they're saying and maybe what they're feeling or the story that they're telling versus their affect. And there's a difference between, again, like somebody who is shut down, you know, they're sort of in this numb place. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's like a glazed look in their eyes. Yeah, they dissociate it to some degree. Yeah. And that's when we can say like, are you here right now? Are you in your body? Do you feel your feet on the ground? Then we shift into coming up for air of feeling okay and grounded. Coming back into Um, the room. Yeah. Yeah. With experience, I think you can tell the difference. Or there's sometimes I can notice a part of them that is refusing to cry. Yes. That is who I'm talking about. Not the dissociative people, because that makes sense to me and I think is manageable. This, This type of person. Yes. Say more. There's like a part of them. If I'm working with them, I might say a teenager part, but there's a part of them that is almost crossing their arms and saying like, I am not going to cry. Yes. I'm digging in my heels and saying, I'm not going to give you that. (laughs) I don't know what the word is. I wonder if it sometimes comes with an energy too of like crying doesn't help anyway. It's not going to do me good. So I'm not going to do it. There's like crossing the arm, like, no, I won't. It's not going to help anyway. Yes. That is who I'm talking about. Yes. How do you manage? How do you navigate when you notice that? Yeah, it's such a good question. It's almost like a, you know, the dual processing that happens as therapists where we're here, we're present, we're hearing the story. And we're also like kind of back burner considering other things. For me, it's like a, that's often what's happening where I'm hearing, I'm noticing, I'm tracking. And then I'm also wondering like, do I bring this up? Do I just name it? Or do I have to wait a little bit for rapport to be better established? So it depends on where you're at in the relationship with a client. But let's imagine mm-hmm. that I feel like I have pretty good rapport with the client. I'll say something like, can I share with you what I'm noticing right now mm. as, you, as you share that story with me? And then if they give me permission, I might say, as you shared the story, I noticed myself having quite an emotional reaction because it feels like kind of a big, heavy story. And then when I looked to you, I noticed you seemed quite calm about the whole thing. What? Tell me what's going on there. Like, uh, are you feeling not calm inside? Like, to explain that to me. And then that sometimes will get into some bigger stuff. Mm. What about you? How do you manage those moments? I think I go into what's happening right now, which is I think I do with somebody who's dissociated to some degree. I would say like, what's happening right now? Or what do you notice right now? Or how do you feel in your body right now? that's when we can assess even further. And like, I can notice if I'm accurate. Sometimes I guess there's this other group of people where it's scary for me to cry. So I'm trying to hold it together. Mm -hmm. And so that's a different group of people than people who are like, no, I'm fine. It's been a long time. Yeah. It's not hard to talk about. Things that are traumatic don't always need to be something that we sob over. Yeah. But it's within a larger context of knowing them. If I do know them well, I might say, I'm wondering if a part of you is saying, I refuse. Yes. That's, I really like to use that mm-hmm. part of you um, mm-hmm. language. Mm-hmm. Then they could maybe, especially if there's there's a whole nother part that, yeah, that wants to cry, that is present. To be able to name the different parts, we can work with them in a different way. And there are some people who really are on the verge of tears. I may not pick up on that, but they say like, it feels intense in my chest yeah. or, or I feel like I'm about to cry. I'm like, oh, I didn't even, like, <sighs> I did not pick up on that at so all. I recently so, had this experience. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me. Like, well, just, you know, at the end of session, like, how are you feeling as we wrap up? And they're like, very emotional. I'm mm-hmm. like, very emotional? 
And then having that conversation, like, is that normal for you? Do you get that feedback that you can sometimes seem totally together, but you're actually having a little bit of a storm rages within? And yeah, and, and then how, how am I going to know? What are some of the ways that I can know so I don't miss it again? Because I don't want to miss it. I want to be yeah. able to be present to you when you're in the emotional place. So what lets me know that you're there? And that can be really interesting. Some people, sometimes people know, and sometimes people have no idea mm-hmm. what they are like when they are emotional. This is why I always like to explore with clients their beliefs and values around crying. What? How do you feel when you cry? What do you think it means when people cry? Because people have shit around crying. Mm-hmm. There's lots of child. There can be childhood stuff. There can be lots of like, I only cry in private. There can be lots of like crying as weakness. Cultural, gendered. Everything, everything. And so if you know that as a therapist, that's so helpful for you. Because then you can use it and you can explore it together. And it can, you know, we've talked about if a client views crying as weakness and then you cry, you're going to have to explore that with them Mm -hmm. because they might perceive you in a way now. You know, so having that information is really valuable, just really, really powerful and valuable. So I really encourage you to ask your clients, like, tell me about what crying means to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. What's your relationship with crying? What's your experience of crying? Exactly. Like sometimes I just genuinely do want my clients to cry. Yep. Like I just do. I want them to cry sometimes. And I know that I've heard that from people like, oh, it feels like you just want me to cry. I do. To me, and like talk about values around crying, crying is just a normative human experience. If we are repressing crying, we are bottling something that, you know, there's no point in bottling. And it makes, it feels like a part of a bigger pattern. So it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, if you're repressing crying, what else is shoved down there? What is getting in the way of you being able to go to that place here in this space with me, in the you and I togetherness? And sometimes what's getting in the way is it feels dangerous to cry. Whether it's in my body, it's dangerous because it feels like there's no bottom to this feeling. And I worry that if I cry, it will never stop. Or it was actually dangerous in childhood. I was yelled at or told to shut up, man up, stop being a little girl, whatever those things are. Yeah. There's a tenderness in it, the tenderness in it around even talking about crying, because you can be poking wounds, deep, deep, deep wounds, lifelong, you know, people in their 60s, 70s who haven't cried. I don't know if you have this experience when people are like, well, I haven't cried in 20 years. And I'm like, what? We have to talk about that. And sometimes there are people who are like, I want to cry. I think it would feel good to cry, but I just don't. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, like I don't think crying is bad. I just can't do it. But then I'm like, are you sure that you're okay with crying? Are you really sure you're okay with it? Are you fully okay with it? Like I have curiosity about that. I swear there were some people that I have talked to that say, or at least attribute it to medication. Yeah, I'm sure that's true. Medication does so much shit. Yeah, it's like um, it might numb or like blunt some mm-hmm. emotions. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes people will say, oh, it's because of this medication that I'm on that I it's harder to access crying. Yeah. But let's also take this other perspective, which is what happens when a client is crying and apologizes? Oh my God, which happens all the time. Yeah. Tell me what you do. Typically, it's in one of the first sessions and it's from somebody who does not cry and they say that I don't cry very often and I'm surprised the fact that I'm crying. And apologize for crying, to which I immediately say, I feel closer to you, or this is the place to cry, or I welcome your tears, I'm here. The people that don't want to cry, I again, we want to explore that a little bit, maybe not in that moment, but at some point. 
There is something really amazing. And, and I think you're right. It happens a lot in the first session. People get really emotional. I mean, my theory about it is that they've spent all this time packing it all in. And then they finally sit down in a space where they're allowed to talk about it. And it's a lot. I think it's surprised. It, it, people get surprised. They surprise themselves. Oh my gosh, I'm very emotional about this. Um, but you're right. All those things are a good way to respond. Like this is the perfect place to cry. You never have to apologize for crying here. Yeah. What about when a client surprise cries? <laughs> Do you know about surprise cries? Tell me more. A surprise cry happens, in my opinion, when... So sometimes I know that what I'm about to say is like a hard question or a tender subject. And I imagine that there might be a reaction to it that's emotional. And sometimes a cry will really surprise me. Like I think we're talking about something that is not as deep or I don't see the crying coming and suddenly like mm-hmm. they're a sobbing client. What are those moments like? Do you have those moments? Probably. <laughs> I'm not thinking, I, I'm not having one that comes to my mind, but yeah. when that happens, yeah. it is, okay, this is, we're going to slow down and, and yes. this is where we're going to be. Yes. Let's be here. Yeah. A reaction that I often have is, oh, something happened because yeah. it's just like, oh, okay. I don't know what happened because mm-hmm. it's an invitation to like, let me know what happened because I don't yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Those are nice moments. Yeah. I mean, hard moments, um, tender moments, but they can be really special. It makes me think about when the moments where I really feel like a good therapist. Yeah, but good therapist. TM, good therapist TM. Is yes. that, um, <laughs> I notice that there's that welling up. Somebody is putting distance between them and what they're speaking about by maybe talking about it in the past. Or they might say, "You, when you feel this way, you do this and are not personalizing it to mm-hmm. their own experience, even though they're talking about themselves. Yes. So I might either say like, I feel this way. Can you say it that way? Or I go, what is here? And that's when somebody gets in the moment, gets in their body, and then the tears come. And that's when I feel I feel closer to them. I feel, if I'm being real, I, I feel like I did it. Which isn't a bad thing, but it's something to notice. In those situations, I I do feel like it's right there at the surface. And I might say that, especially if it's in the first session. And this is wanting. This has been wanting to to be seen. Um, This is right here. And let's be with it. Let's be here. And slowing down and being in the moment and being in our bodies. And maybe even sharing at some point how how I felt close to you. Being able to, to witness or to be with you in this place. Especially, I think, for clients who do bottle, you know, three, four sessions in, they're still very cool, calm, collected. And I might say, you know, I'm really wanting to feel close to you. And I'm noticing it feels like there's a little bit of a buffer here, like what's going on. Um, And that in itself can sometimes be an invitation to just kind of open up. Conceptualizing crying as an invitation for closeness is so beautiful. And that's really how I feel. Mm-hmm. Like, I genuinely feel closer to clients when they're, yes. and to be frank, it's not just crying. I feel closer to clients when they're in their feelings, no matter what the feeling is. Oh, you're joyful. I, I, I feel connection with you. Oh, you're angry yeah. and you're telling me how angry you are. I feel connected and close to you. Yes. As long as it's congruent and they're exactly. grounded. Exactly. And you know, right. It's not like, it's not like a flooding. It's not congruent where you're like, you're laughing, but you're talking about something really yeah. terrible. Or you're you angry, know? but you're actually hurt and you can't talk yeah. about the hurt. So you're just angry. Yeah. yeah. The congruence is, oh, it's like this kind of um, je ne sais quoi. Like 
feeling and it's hard as new therapists for those listening. I don't even know. I wish I could bottle it to you and like be like, this is what it feels like when the client is congruent and therefore you and the client together are congruent. You'll know it when you're there because it just is such a palpable feeling. There's like profoundness in it. I see anger as a primary emotion. And so when somebody, sometimes when people feel angry, I feel Mm -hmm. close to them. This is aliveness here. Yes. And that, again, just like with crying, we need to work on our own stuff. If anger is something that's violent to you in itself as an emotion, then that's something that we're going to have to look at in our Mm -hmm. own counseling. Because Mm -hmm. if it's a congruent feeling, if it's how they feel in their core emotion, that's typically a sign when we would feel close to them, when we feel like a sense of this is good. I know, it's, so hard to, uh, it's so hard yeah. to like understand, like explain. It's like, it's a just right feeling. I don't know how better yeah. to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Even when it's anger. In your opinion, why are some therapists so against anger? Because it comes up a lot. In some ways, it's cultural. There are other theoretical orientations where anger is hiding. Hurt yes. It's or only, it only does that job. Yeah. It can for sure. Yeah. Because I work with a lot of women. It has this particular meaning around anger and it's not okay. Yeah, there's a messaging. Yeah. To reclaim anger and to say, this is how I feel. It's not hurt. It's not anxious. It is anger towards this person because I was wronged or my boundaries were crossed. Yes. And that's when I'm like, yes, this is you holding on to yourself. This is you understanding um, where responsibility lies, that it's not, you're not responsible for people hurting you. Or maybe it's about injustice relationally. Somebody in your life did something that was not okay, but instead you rationalize it away. And it's like, how do I be okay with that person, my Mm -hmm. close person doing something that hurt me? And it's like, no, we can be angry. If we're able to have the anger in the relationship and it be received and and it might make you closer. I think that that, that's, I mean... That was almost a perfect segue because that is my theory about why some therapists, not all therapists, are scared to go to anger in the therapeutic place or they're always convinced that anger is something else. And here's my theory is that if we give clients permission in the therapeutic space to just really feel their anger, that also means that we have to give them space to feel angry with us. Yeah. If we ever violate or hurt them. And I think that is scary to some therapists. And so they don't, they always want to. I mean, who am I thinking about when I say this? I don't know. A collection of people, <laughs> like an, a, a, a like concept more than individuals. But if we go to hurt, if we go, oh, your anger is actually about hurt. We, oh, well, I can buffer hurt. I can, I can like hear that I've hurt someone and be able to heal it. But if I hear that someone's just angry with me, I feel very uncomfortable. I, I am so pro anger in the therapeutic space. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it sounds like you're angry. I want you to feel your anger. And if I've ever done something to make you angry, I want you to be angry with me. Not violent, not rude. Well, maybe rude sometimes, but not violent. I don't want you to like hurt me physically, but I want you to tell me if I've angered you. There is that flip side of people who default to anger. And so that's Mm -hmm. those clients you want to cry. There is hurt underneath this and I want you to cry. And the anger is like a defense against crying. So let's (laughs) Like that sense of wanting to crack the code. Sometimes that is how I approach things. Which Mm -hmm. angle do we need Mm -hmm. to take? Like, what Mm -hmm. is it? Is it about childhood? Is it about being in your body? How do we get behind this defense of anger in order to get what's real, which is the hurt? 
it comes up a lot for male clients in my in my clinical experience where they can say, yeah, I feel makes me sad. And then there's like no portrayal of sadness. <laughs> and that that does in some way feel like cracking a code. But then there's, you know, oh man, I'm of such two minds. I absolutely believe that people crying is a human reaction. I think that there's internal inherent desire to be congruent and authentic about like when I'm talking about sad things, I feel sad and sadness can make me cry. And then on the other hand, I think if people don't want to cry, they don't want to cry. Yes. And they should, I shouldn't be forcing them to cry, but I do want them to cry. Yes. (laughs) So (laughs) there's like this internal battle. I do experience that at all. When I have those experiences, sometimes I might name them. Yeah. As a therapist, I, one part of me, you know, wants you to cry, <laughs> like wants to get you to a place where we can have yes, the tears. And yes. then another part of me just respects your, like you get to choose yes. when, what emotions you dip into, who you dip into them with. You get to choose the direction mm-hmm. where we go in therapy. And if this isn't where you want to go, let's change direction. Yeah. Do you ever feel offended? This just came up for me. I don't know. If a client won't cry with you, but tells you about how they readily cry with others. Oh, I don't hurt feel your feelings. offended. I feel disappointed. I feel, yeah. it, but it feels personal. I feel yes. like, oh, like, I guess, I guess I'm, I'm not doing good something enough wrong. Almost. Yes, totally. <laughs> what can I do to make this a space where you can cry? Why can you cry with your friends, but not me? I bawled my eyes out with, you know, the other day and you're like, you never cry with me. Totally. Or like when you explore the crying and then the client's like, no, no, I cry with my wife all the time, but I can't. And I'm like, you can't cry here. Why can't you cry here? Right. So that's another piece around, let's talk about the meaning of it. And maybe it's a level of intimacy that they may not have. Or some people have this idea about therapy that you are there to talk about things. Yes. To fix things, solve problems. To make sense of what's happening in a cognitive way rather than sitting with the feelings. Some people even think that being in the feelings gets in the way. Some some therapies are like that. Well, therapists too, but I think a lot of clients will will think, oh, this is just getting in the way of the conversation that I want to have. Right. And that's when... I feel these mixed emotions because I do say in that moment, this is the work. This is the work being with the emotions. And sometimes there's a part of me that sort of knows that the person that I'm working with doesn't see it that way. And sometimes I rush past having that conversation because I want to tell them like, this is the work. Talking is a completely valid way of engaging in something. It's just in that moment. I can get really stern actually when I think about it. Just like, no, <laughs> this is the work. This is good. You're like, in the work. Yeah. Let's yeah. be here. Yeah. And, uh, and my voice literally sounds like that. So huh, there's, an energy. Here. there's an yeah. energy behind it for me there. Yeah. I love talking about this. I, I'm excited. <laughs> I do. I feel jacked. I'm excited for all the new therapists and student therapists because it is so relational. Crying is a relational experience. We cry by ourselves, yes, but there's such a different energy when we cry with someone else. That experience, like, oh, what comes up for me is like kind of, I get stirred around this is like, that is, ugh, meatiness. And it makes me curious. There have been times when people's crying has made me uncomfortable. Very rarely, Mm -hmm. far less often. And I'm kind of trying to like figure out what that's about. 
I think one of the times is when you're seeing a couple and one partner is crying a lot and the other person is either completely emotionless or like not attending to their partner at all. Yeah. I hate that. And that's where I'll often say like, hey, so-and-so, do you see your partner crying? What is that like for you? (laughs) You know, I think especially when you're in the experience of a couple that has come to therapy as a last-ditch effort, which a lot of couples do. And therapy is not a fix-all. A couple's therapy is not, there's no guarantee that it will work. And in fact, a lot of people through the process of therapy realize that they no longer want to be in that relationship. Relationships end because they've been in therapy. But I have definitely had the experience where one person, multiple times, one person is so much more emotional and the other person is just completely cold and distant. And that is painful for me to witness. Yeah. Like I feel uncomfortable watching it. I know even as you're saying that, that that's my stuff. Right? Yes, me too. And I'm sure it's hurtful to the partner as well, but that discomfort of like, you need to be attending to your partner. That is my stuff. And that would be, I think that I'm able to put that aside, but something to think about, something to be aware of. Yes, exactly. Like I think in the moment I can still do the work, but there is, well, and I've had, you know, I've had couples where that has been the, the theme and then they've broken up and it's, you know, come to find out that things were a lot more hurtful in the relationship than, and th- I think that that was like a part of me knowing something was wrong, but it not being named in the setting and then only finding that out after the relationship had ended. So I, th- you know, you want to trust your gut, you want to listen, you don't want your shit to come up in the room, but you can't pretend it's not there because it's there, you know, there's so, oh, there's nuance in it. There's nuance in it for sure. What's the meaning of crying for you? I love crying. I I cry daily, especially because of the existential work that I do personally and professionally. Like I will literally look at my dog, imagine the day that she dies and just like cry with her. I don't know why. I love it. I It's hurtful. It's painful. But I like, it feels so human to me. Like I said earlier, I would absolutely be lying if I said I didn't want my clients to cry. I don't need them to cry 100% of the time, 100% of the session for validation, but I like it. I'm fine yeah, with it. Me too. Like, I'm like, yeah. oh, you're crying. Hmm. Good. <laughs> nice. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Um, uh, and I came from a home where I wasn't invalidated for crying. Um, hmm. My mom is also a crier. You know, she gets emotional seeing commercials like I do. We cry at movies. And I'm very thankful to have a father who cried who was not afraid to cry. And well, I don't know. I can't speak for him. He didn't appear to be afraid to cry. I can remember multiple times like him, he used to watch movies in the basement and come up and just be like, that movie was so sad and like be sobbing. And and that is inherent permission giving yeah. um, when you see your parents cry. So although hilariously, I'm in a relationship with a person who is a very uncomfortable with crying and comfortable. So, mm-hmm, so I think that being in a relationship with me is literally like exposure therapy for him. Because I'm like, here it comes. What are you going to do? I'm about to cry. And he's had to really practice how to be present with someone who's crying, who's like weeping. Because I, I cry in a big way. Mm. I'm a big crier. Tell me about yeah. what's there for you. Well, growing up, I was a, I mean, I cried and cried and cried and cried. <laughs> I was made fun of, for oh, real, like from no. some of my family members. Crybaby was my label there was like a bit of, I need to hold back a little bit. It's about being immature for crying. So I want to buy myself 
all kinds of merch that's a crybaby <laughs> on it. Like I reclaim the fact that I'm a crybaby. Yeah, the feeling um, shop. They're great. The feeling shop. I don't know if I love crying in the same way, but I'm a therapy nerd as a client as well. And sometimes, you know, I can get in the way of me processing or being in the moment, being present, but I am witnessing myself crying as it's happening. Yes. And I will say like, I'm crying. What is that about? I will relish the experience. I will revel in the experience and be in awe of what is happening in the moment. What is this about? What is it about this particular thing that is making me cry? Mm. Especially if it's a commercial or a show or something. I watched the Disney short of Filipino family. It's wordless. And she's making the star lanterns for Christmas. They, It's like she's doing it with her grandma. And then at the end, she makes... It doesn't really matter. But I... (laughs) cried and cried and cried last night watching that meanwhile my four-year-old is just like I don't understand why you're crying (laughs) um I love that it says something about me like it says something about the core of me that I'm always so curious about and I think I bring that same curiosity to my work with clients I also have this affinity for clients who say when I was a kid I was told I was a crybaby And I think this is a wonderful place to end because it leaves you, the listeners, with this thought of what is it like for me when a client cries? How am I going to respond? What comes up for me around crying in general, but what does it mean for me in the therapeutic space? Yeah, like that. what a beautiful invitation for you to get to know your clients better while also getting to know yourself better, which is so cool. And maybe also to begin to hone those skills about recognizing the different phenomena of crying and how it shows up differently because the meaning does shift person to person but also moment to moment in therapy it can be really important to be able to delineate which is you know what's going on I've just uh tagged you in a post from my feelings shop that I was hollering about earlier and her most recent thing is about a crybaby pin that she made you are gonna like it yeah Yeah. uh do you want to sign us off All right. This was Edge of the Couch. I'm Jordan. And I'm Allison. See ya. Listen to ya. Talk to you next time. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at connect at edgeofthecouch.com to tell us what you think, ask a question, or let us know what type of episode you'd love to hear. You can even send us a voice note for us to play in a future episode. You can support us by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts, sharing the show with a friend, or supporting us on Patreon. Join us next time at The Edge of the Couch. Oh, 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 o